Assalamu alaikum, peace be with you, and welcome to a very special edition of Around the Table, live here at Alton, Hampshire, the Jalsa Salana Annual Convention Site in Hampshire on a, on a beautiful sunny Friday afternoon. I have with me uh, regular panelists of Around the Table, Mr. Lutful Islam, Adik Ahmed Bhatti, and Ahmed Salamullah. Welcome, gentlemen. So for the next hour, we're going to talk about uh, how COVID has impacted our lives, um, both morally, spiritually, and physically. Uh, and also, we'll touch upon uh, the Jalsa Salana, the first one um, in a couple of years that is uh, full impact and full um, attendance, inshallah, by the grace of Allah. Uh, we know last year uh, we had a Jalsa Salana, but it was uh, limited attendance. But this year, by the grace of Allah and uh, from approval and instructions of His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, we were given the permission to hold the annual convention uh, in its full glory with uh, full attendance. So let's kick off the program uh, with you, Ahmed, if I may. I know we've all lived through COVID of the last uh, couple of years and uh, you know, we've been, been through it. So it seems a bit um, over the top just to talk about it because we've actually experienced the, uh, the impact that it's had. But I think just uh, briefly, if you can, just give us a little potted history of uh, how COVID has affected our lives. Sure. Um, so, Assalamu alaikum, first of all. Um, you wouldn't believe it, actually, but it's only been just over two and a half years since COVID actually came into our life, you could say, although it seems like a, you know, a very long time ago. Um, the British think tank of a foreign, British foreign policy group actually um, created a very um, helpful timeline, uh, which I'm kind of going to follow uh, in this brief background. So December 2019, um, China contacted the World Health Organization and informed them of cases of a new type of uh, pneumonia, which was detected in Wuhan at, the, at that time. We in the UK at the time didn't have, it wasn't released anywhere in the press, we were all clueless at the time. And then Come January the 11th, you'll see the timeline is quite compact. It's not over a period of six months, eight months. It's all within a couple of weeks almost. So come uh, January the 11th, the Chinese uh, state media, I will say, reported um, the first death of COVID-19 of a 61-year-old man. Um, and then at that time, again, it was only uh, the, the information was very specifically controlled within China. So not much information was available outside it. Um, when, then we move on to uh, January 20th, and the first cases outside Japan, uh, China were started occurring. So Japan, South Korea, Thailand all notified the World Health Organization, telling them, hey, we've got cases of uh, this new pneumonia type. At that time, it wasn't COVID-19. It was uh, pneumonia or SARS-V2. Um, and then um, consecu consecutively, day after day, new headlines started to appear within, uh, in, within Asia. So the first one being the US uh, notified the World Health Organization that they've received their first case. And then um, the UK at that time, which was on the 22nd of January, reclassified this type of uh, illness, you could say, from uh, uh, the risk level very low to low. So at that time, we still thought it was very, very minor, potentially a, a new type of flu. However, 
in uh, the other part of the world, it was very different. Uh, very different. Mm. So 23rd of January, Wuhan and the wider perimeters, a population of over 20 million is cut off by the Chinese authorities, yeah. i.e. the word lockdown come in, comes into our life. <laughs> Uh, planes, trains leaving the city are cancelled, buses, subways, everything going in and out is completely suspended. By that point, 17 people had died. Um, as what we are aware of, I will say this is as per what's the um, official figures. The official figures. Yeah. But, but this did not make most news channels in the UK. In fact, um, no one was aware of it at that time within the UK. It was very, very limited people. However, one thing which I noticed around that time, because I was following it quite closely, is um, around the same week period, or same period, uh, things like face masks, hand, hand sanitizers, hand washes, were completely uh, going out of stock around pharmacies and supermarkets. And um, when I was speaking to my colleagues from China, they mentioned that um, some of their friends' families were actually sending shipping mm. this from the UK back to China. And people were uh, started to prepare it, preparing themselves for it as well. Um, and around the same period, and I'm, not, I'm sure a lot of you remember, the construction of a specialized hospital started happening in Wuhan. And this was, in my view, one of the amazing things that China was able to do, create a hospital from scratch within seven to ten days period. Um, this was Wuhan at the moment. Now, tw- 26th of Ju- uh, January is when the Beijing started closing all the schools, entire Beijing closed down. And then, um, this is now, we'll start jumping a few days now. So Jan- January uh, is when the UK started to uh, understand what the impact is. And the flu, uh, sorry, end of January, beginning of February. And you might remember the first plane came back from China and there was a quarantine of two week period in the Milton Keynes that That's happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, the Jamaat actually helped out very early on, before it even became a pandemic. Um, the passengers, basically providing them food, helping them with marshalling. That's an interesting point there, Ahmed, the, um, that right early on, even before it made widespread uh, you know, media attention, um, the Jamaat, as it does, the MD Muslim uh, community uh, of United Kingdom, and in particular, the MD Muslim Youth Association, were called upon to help and assist um, uh, uh, voluntarily uh, to help marshal and uh, help with um, setting up that uh, facility in Milton Keynes. Yes, and um, because I was um, a local from around the area, mm-hmm. I know people which went there, the process and procedures that took place, and it was very scrutinized. Mm-hmm. And you probably remember the coaches that arrived from it, uh, how everyone had a face mask on, and it was very early on, mm-hmm. we already started to understand this is something very significant. Now, I'm going to jump a couple of uh, days ahead. Uh, we start going to February. Mm-hmm. I will not go through the two and a half years. It's no, only no. a couple of... Uh, only We've couple only got one hour. <laughs> um, so, in early February, UK directs all citizens to leave China. So, that's where we are at the moment. Uh, so, that's when we were there. And then, um, in uh, mid-February... The World Health Organization renamed this from SARS-CoV-2 to COVID-19. Uh, by then, there were only, I will say only, um, of course, um, people that were impacted. This is quite significant. But at that time, 1,000, just over 1,000 people had died and there were 46,000 cases globally mm. that were actually notified. 
Um, and then by mid-February, it started spreading over uh, into Europe. So you all remember the Italy, Lombard region, which was very heavily impacted. Yes. And they, they suffered very significantly. And then similarly, Iran, and then it started going across the European countries. Um, the UK authorities actually first had their first proper case on the 28th of uh, February. Now, before I move on to that case, I want to just quickly talk about the economic conditions at that time. So um, Lombard went into lockdown, uh, Japan had a lockdown, China had a lockdown, and around the end of February, there was a huge, I mean, the stock market completely crashed. This was one of the worst crashes since 2008, uh, when we had the financial crisis. Um, the market dropped by 10 to 13% on a single day. That was unheard of since the 1930s. So I wanted to make sure people understand the significance that a lockdown has brought. Now, the, the oil price at that time, which I really want to just uh, quickly just touch on shortly, is the oil price completely crashed. And today we have petrol prices around the £2 mark. At that time, a uh, $2 mark, so £2 mark, yes. Uh, around that time, it was less than £1, if you remember. Um, and then, I guess, um, just quickly moving on to mm. March now, is when the cases started increasing in the UK, and it come to 23rd of March, we all remember the <coughs> televised um, speech by Boris Johnson, where he announced a entire lockdown of the entire UK um UK mm-hmm. um, and people were only allowed to go out to buy food, exercise once a day, or if you absolutely had to go to work. Mm-hmm. So basically, non-essentials. Yeah, I mean that that's the story of the lockdown. I think that's the real start when people actually realise that uh, our lives are going to change for a very long time to come, and uh, and that's where I think we need to. That's kind an of interesting re- point. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there uh, and, and interrupt your flow, but. Um, personally speaking, I didn't realise that it was going to go on for such a long time. I think a lot of the population also thought, okay, it's uh, it's a, it's a lockdown. It will be lockdown, well, a couple of weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months. Yeah. But if if we now look and see how long we were actually locked down on, if there, if we if it was made clear at that time, I think there would have been quite a lot more panic. I mean, the government probably knew that it was a long term uh, disruption. I am saying that where I realize it because I come from a science background, <laughs> science background and I, you know, linked with the industry where we were developing treatments for uh, for this infection. And, uh, you know, anybody who knows virology knows that once a virus has spread to the extent that COVID-19 has spread, they don't go away. And uh, the mortality at that time was quite high. And that was the that was the main factor what brought the lockdowns. And the prime minister himself was saying, you know, people you know will die. It's not like you know may die. It was very cert- with a lot of certainty, and that was a fact. And we all saw that play out. You know, a lot of us had suffered personal losses. We lost our friends, our family members to this infection. There was a lot of emotional uh, uh, stress. On a lot of individuals, you know, even people who did not have elderly relatives at risk were stressed out as well. And that's what played out in the whole society for, for this, at least for the first year, with, um, with a lot of intensity. And thankfully, we, we kind of gone past that stage that mortality is no longer the major concern. But the disruption still remains because for the highly vulnerable people in the, in the, in the country, 
the risk of death by COVID is very much a real threat. And uh, so, you know, you think about the psychology of the society as a whole <clears throat> um, and how uh, the politics has played into that and the anti-lockdown protests all around and the vaccine rollout. I think that's another big thing that I've we have learned that science, of course, you know, has given us so much uh, hope, but it has also caused a lot of controversies in the political sphere where there are camps against vaccine, there are conspiracy theories, and, uh, the, you know, these conspiracy theories do seep into people's psyche. Uh, even the more educated people in the society fall victim to that. And as a community, I think, the Amdi Muslim community, we have, uh, by the grace of God, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the divine uh, help in the form of uh, the, the <coughs> caliph, the Khalifa al-Masih, may Allah be his helper, who has debunked all those myths and conspiracy theories just by a simple two-line sentence. I remember when the instructions were sent out about vaccines. Hazur uh, said, you know, people should get vaccinated. And that was enough for the community to fall behind. And basically, what Ahmed was saying about Milton Keynes, we were the first community to take up the vaccine as volunteers first to be on the front lines against uh, the infection where our, our, our volunteers, our youth, were organizing or marshalling these vaccine clinics that they were set up earlier on. And then our mosques became the hubs for the vaccines for the local community. And uh, soon, soon after the vaccine rollout was happening, we were all expected to get vaccinated. Uh, although it was not forced that you must get vaccinated, but it was expected that every Ahmadi who can should get vaccinated. And by the grace of Allah, uh, we witnessed that the vaccine rollout really helped the community regain some of the social activities that were lost during the mm. lockdown. Thank you. I want to just um, briefly recap the direct impact um, COVID had on our uh, um, spiritual activity. So we go into lockdown 26th of March, I believe it was, wasn't it? Um, Atik, how did that impact us? Because we're a religious community, the Amnia Muslim Association. We have mosques up and down the country. We have uh, classes going on on a daily basis. We have prayers five times a day. There's so much activity going on that relies upon that social interaction. And then suddenly we are instructed by the government to stop all this. Uh, certainly. I mean, it's a fact um, around the world that the Amdi Muslim community is, is, is a dynamic uh, community where uh, the progress of the community is very much linked and intertwined with meeting one another and having programs and events, you know, local, regional, national, international, and so forth. The Jalsa Salana obviously being one of the highlights of the year for Ahmadis around the world, wherever, whichever country they reside in. Um, and at that time, um, it's interesting because, of course, everybody was fearful because this was something new that we had not witnessed in our, certainly in our generation and even our parents' generation. Um, but because of the blessings of Khilafat, uh, because we're, we're guided globally by His Holiness, Hazrat Mizam Masurah, the Caliph and head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the impact for the members of the community was much less than perhaps we would see outside the community. And this was only purely because of the fact that His Holiness guided each and every member of the community at that time. So in March, when the lockdown occurred, 
the guidance that was given by His Holiness was very uh, precise. What can be done? How how what technologies can be used? Uh, let me rephrase: What can be done? What rules are to be observed? And of course, these instructions filter down through the national president and the administration itself for all Ahmadis around the world. But the interesting point is that um, it's a blessing of God Almighty, of Allah Taala, that uh, the community never stops its progress. And what happened was that the members of the community, and we were all witness to this, of course, because we were, part, we, you know, we were involved in, in many programs and events and so forth, was that the community members adapted. And the way they adapted was through the blessings of um, technology. And Voice of Islam certainly is, is technology. So is our international television station, MTA International, and so on and so forth. So are our social media accounts and etc. But it was technology such as online video conferencing, um, <clears throat> the other social media platforms, that the community was able to focus upon um, to stay in touch, to continue the online progress. Now, closer to home, um, I can give you an example that during uh, lockdown, it was my second term as a president for the local community. And the way we adapted locally, and this is just one example of probably thousands and thousands, was um, we held our... Uh, peace symposium and and another online program and we streamed it live online for the members of the community and you know you're looking at a, a fair amount of uh, community members who were able to engage that way so the work actually never stopped the engagement actually never stopped despite the restrictions the stay at home face masks and so forth and like Luth said after that thereafter it was a short period of time when you look at it in relative terms, that the vaccine started to roll out. And again, it was a great blessing that His Holiness uh, guided the community members. And, you know, we, we became, uh, we had our vaccines, uh, we had our boosters and so forth. And this was a very uh, positive effect on the members of the community because it becomes part of your moral training. Mm -hmm. And uh, it gives you an identity of what to do and how to do it and, and how effective you can be and how you can safeguard yourself. I think one point I wanted to mention on top of that is it wasn't just to us that the guidance was given by, uh, by, the, um, by our beloved uh, leader. It was actually, uh, one point he mentioned was about food prices and he actually mentioned that for everyone and said any MD with shops will not increase their food prices because obviously at that time there was a mad rush for food and we all remember um, there were shortages of certain um, f foods in the shops and a lot of smaller shops took that as an opportunity to increase the prices because people were desperate and he specifically mentioned that uh, that no one will increase their prices and that again shows that he wasn't just there leading us just for ourselves mm -hmm. but he's trying to say to the rest of the world hey this is a huge pandemic. It's a huge issue. This is not the time to you know, look at profits. Yeah, I would just like to add, um, it's a very, very uh, important point here that His Holiness has said to the members of the community that before I go to sleep every night, there is not one member of the community or country that I do not remember in my prayers. And although I've spoken about His Holiness and the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, but the prayers of His Holiness, Hazrat Mr. Ahmad, are for... Uh, humanity at large, the, the world population, each and every individual, because as a spiritual leader, it is his responsibility, in, in his holiness, mm. his own words, to pray for mankind and humanity, that number one, they recognize their creator, uh, but number two, 
that they fulfill the rights owed to the Creator and to one oneself and to each other. Um, this is a very, very important point. So yes, look, um, uh, Ahmed is right that uh, you know the guidance was for everybody mm. uh, on what to do and, and how to do it and how to stay safe. Absolutely, and and the instructions were, were to help in any way possible. So we know look, that uh, the community members were uh, out there uh, providing food for the homeless, providing shelter for those who needed it, uh, helping with the vaccination rollout, as you said, yeah. helping in whatever capacity uh, individually they could. I know a ladies' um, organisation, Lejnaimola, were uh, instrumental in, in, in sewing, you know, Hundreds yeah. of thousands of face masks and distributing those free and um, helping um, in, in any way they could. So everyone was really galvanized. Everybody and got that galvanization was done primarily by the instructions of our uh, beloved Caliph, yeah. His Holiness Hazrat Mizam Indeed, and under his instruction, the first thing I remember doing was going to my neighbors and telling them if you need anything during the lockdown, you know, because mm. there was limitation on who could go out. And everybody did that. Uh, you know, we got to know our neighbors well <clears> through <throat> that. And then, as as uh, you were saying, that especially the area I lived in, there was a, at the, even before the lockdown, there's a crisis of, uh, you know, uh, poverty in this country that gets ignored so often. And the lockdown actually exacerbated that. The children who go to school and have a, one good meal of the day in many households were deprived of that. So our community locally, we, for weeks, uh, while, while the schools were closed, we were helping a local charity coming together and delivering meals to those households. I and mean, that's just only a small example, very immediately that comes to mind. But throughout these last two years, we have been working in all across the country with our local political representatives and councils to deliver uh, food supplies. To We have not only the community has its own food bank now in this country, but we support all the local food banks through donations and we support all the local charities. And every time there was a need <clears throat> to do a vaccine drive in the local community, we were all, always there. Um, and any charitable event, you know, there are charities working in so, so many different areas. We support, we don't pick and choose anybody who comes to us. We support them, we provide them with manpower, we provide them with donations, uh, fundraising. I mean, the list goes on and on. And at this Jalsa, actually, <clears throat> I was uh, told by one of my friends here that we have received at least 60 messages of support from various members of parliament who all of them have been saying the same thing, that during COVID you have been so supportive to the local community. And that's just a very small selection, I'm sure. Everywhere, you know, there are 120 chapters of the Muslim Jamaat in the UK. All of them would have been doing exactly the same thing, uh, bettering each other and being better every year at it and supporting our local communities in this country. Thanks, Lutf. Um, it's time for a short break, so we will take a short break. Please join us straight after this short break when we will continue our discussion. Uh, join us after this short break. Speaking about the aims and objectives of this annual convention, the Jalsa Salana, the promised Messiah, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Unhumbi Peace, writes, This is one of the needs of this Jalsa, that strategies for the spiritual well-being of Europe and America should be put forward. For this is now a proven fact that good-natured and sincere people of Europe and America are preparing 
to enter the fold of Islam. The conditions of initiation in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. The initiate shall solemnly promise, one, that he or she shall abstain from shirk, association of any partner with God, right up to the day of his or her death. Two, that he or she shall keep away from falsehood, fornication, adultery, trespasses of the eye, debauchery, dissipation, cruelty, dishonesty, mischief and rebellion, and will not permit himself or herself to be carried away by passions, however strong they might be. Three, that he or she shall regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet and shall try his or her best to be regular in offering the tahajjud and invoking the rood on the Holy Prophet that he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for their sins, to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify Him. 4. That under the impulse of any passions, he or she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of Allah in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue, nor by his or her hands, nor by any other means. 5. That he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life, in sorrow and happiness, adversity and prosperity, in felicity and trial, and shall in all conditions remain resigned to the decree of Allah and keep himself or herself ready to face all kinds of indignities and sufferings in his way, and shall never turn away from it at the onslaught of any misfortune. On the contrary, he or she shall march forward. 6. That he or she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit himself or herself to the authority of the Holy Quran and shall make the word of God and the sayings of the Holy Prophet the guiding principle in every walk of his or her life. 7. That he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance, and meekness. 8. That he or she shall hold faith, the honor of faith, and the cause of Islam dearer to him or her than his or her life, wealth, honor, children, and all other dear ones. 9. That he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only, and shall endeavor to benefit mankind to the best of his or her God-given abilities and powers. 10. That he or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood with this humble servant of God, pledging obedience to me in everything good for the sake of Allah and remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death, that he or she shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond as is not to be found 
in any other worldly relationship and connections demanding devoted dutifulness. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. And welcome back to a very special edition of Around the Table, live here at the Jalsa Salana site in Alton, Hampshire, on a beautiful sunny afternoon. Uh, we're waiting for the Friday sermon by beloved Hazur, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, who will inshallah be leading us uh, in this uh, Friday prayers shortly at Hadikat al Mahdi. Uh, the Garden of the Mehdi. So we're all anxiously waiting for that uh, happening in the next 30 minutes or so. If I can uh, kindly remind our listeners who are coming to Hadikat al-Mehdi, the Jalsala Salana site, to please observe the rules and regulations. Make sure that you do uh, follow the instructions, have your COVID test as instructed, and make sure you wear your mask uh, at all times. Jazakallah. Coming back to the topic we were discussing, um, Adik, um let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, COVID impact on us spiritually. So we, we, we spoke about how the community helped um, our neighbours and the wider community, but being a religious organisation, the MDM Muslim uh, Community of United Kingdom, and mission houses up and down the country, mosques up and down the country that were closed, how did that impact us uh, spiritually? So it's a really good and very pertinent question indeed, because um, as I said in the uh, first, latter first part of the program, um, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is very dynamic. So the majority of the work that is undertaken by the members, male and female, young and old, is very much to do with meeting one another and working on programs and events and, and uh, on training initiatives and classes and, and so forth. And the highlight of this or the, the, the most important aspect is actually meeting together at mosques for offering the five daily prayers um, and other religious-based classes, um, including um, something called the Rus, which is uh, you know short uh, extracts from the sayings of the founder of the uh, Amdi Muslim community or the... Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and so forth. So, um, at that time when lockdown actually occurred, because of the rules of stay at home, members were, of course, naturally not able to visit mosques. Our mosques were, in line with the government instructions, closed um, on an indefinite basis at that time, certainly, and all the rules were strictly adhered to. But what happened as a result of that, and with the guidance of His Holiness, um, is that the moral training uh, in Arabic, it's called tarbiyat, which is uh, referred to as moral training of the community members, moved to within their four walls, the walls of their home. So the Friday sermon, for example, is, is a very important part uh, of any week for a Muslim, and it obviously falls upon Friday. And at this point in time, members of the community were advised and guided and provided with the material <clears throat> to be able to lead Friday sermon at home, deliver a, a short sermon and lead the prayers. And this then naturally moved forward to offering the five daily prayers in congregation as a family within homes. And we witnessed this ourselves, and I'm sure we were all part of this anyhow, is that um, those who perhaps were not comfortable with leading prayers, perhaps not comfortable with leading a, a ser or delivering a sermon, even even though it was a few minutes, 
um, became very versed and very comfortable. And this moral training uh, helped them to become actually closer as a family, um, but also closer to God Almighty because the training enabled them to increase their knowledge. Um, it enabled them to build confidence and, of course, to fulfill the basic duty, which was to worship God Almighty. But I, I've, I've seen with the thousands of people that I've spoken to over the last few years, um, as far as the community is concerned, that families became stronger, they became closer, um, and the moral training of families increased. And so, again, this is a blessing of God Almighty and the guidance of His Holiness that we were able to do this and, and achieve this. And of course, it still continues to this day, even though the mosques are open. But there are also opportunities where this can continue at home, for, uh, perhaps when a time comes where you're not able to go to the mosque to offer prayers. But uh, it, it's just been absolutely uh, incredible and amazing. And it's a very big, big blessing upon the community. Mm, thank you. Adding to that, and I'll say that the one of the other major elements of our you know, uh, the mission of the Amdi Muslim community is spreading the message of Islam. And it does not happen on its own. There is a level of sacrifice required. And when the country is in lockdown and people are losing their jobs and there's no income coming and the government is uh, kind of subbing them some money so that they can just make do on a monthly basis for their basic needs, it the, the elements of financial sacrifice should be the first one to suffer. That, you know, these communities where financial contributions from their members, um, organizations, uh, you know, their, their members, their financial contributions make that organization work. One could imagine, and we have seen that, most charities suffered because of lack of income. Uh, but that was not the case with the Amdi Muslim community. I was just looking through some data for the past two years and the level of sacrifice shown by the members of the community, despite all these challenges, has actually grown. By in the, like, you know, for example, there's, uh, there's a, uh, a scheme called Tariqa Jadid, uh, which is a yearly targeted scheme. You know, we get a target, and that money actually goes in. Uh, a lot of humanitarian work around the world, building of hospitals, spreading of education in very, very poor um, communities in, in the world. And that uh, scheme actually collected more money year by year during the lockdown. And it, that growth was in millions of pounds, rather, you know, close to, I mean, currently about 14, 15, 15 million pounds. And, you know, we were expecting a setback, you know, mm. that people are suffering uh, a lot of financial hardship. It didn't happen. And the same goes with all the other financial elements. So the the community itself showed through personal sacrifice that, you know, these tough times, uh, in these tough times, you know, God is with us and we will fulfill our promises to God. And one of those promises is that we will sacrifice our time, wealth, lives, honor, and everything for the sake of Islam. And that this these two years were an eye-opener in that sense that we saw that in action. That's an ama amazing point, isn't it? That, um, and Ahmed, you... you you know, shared with us right at the beginning what a uh, economic disaster uh, encompassed the world at that time and and um, how society at large had to change and everyone was um, both psychologically, financially, spiritually. They were, you could say they were lost, weren't they? Uh, but there's this beacon of light that emanates from His Holiness 
uh, our you know spiritual leader, uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masoor, who, who's guiding us and and kind of um, cajoling us and supporting us and directing us, and the members of the community respond in a beautiful manner. You know, he he's. Um, asking for, for sacrifice and the sacrifice is given. He's praying for us and, and we pray back for, for him and his good health as well. So this, this connection, this love that is um, both ways is quite amazing, isn't it? So it kind of shows that despite what's happening around us in the world, be it a global pandemic or, or whatever, the, the community continues to uh, advance Absolutely. I mean, just if you look at um, during early COVID, the first lockdown, uh, how the mosques were closed and we were, like uh, Atik uh, mentioned, we were all pr- doing uh, Friday sermons at home. The moment the government started to give us guidelines, uh, you know, reopening guidelines for, I think, what, July that year, which is three, four months after first lockdown, um, when the lockdown started, already in June, we were told Essentially, we should start preparing. And, you know, we, uh, me as a COVID officer for uh, my local mosque, we were given a set of instructions and these instructions are blessed by the, um, by uh, His Holiness. And, um, he has to, he approves it almost, you could say. He looks at it and scrutinizes to the detail and adds it. And throughout the entire period, he kept asking us, getting us more information, like saying, you know, two meter distance, bring your own prayer mat, make sure you do vazu, which is ablution at home. Um, no contact, limited number of people, register them, temperature check, hand sanitizer. Every single thing was looked at at the, to the detail. And when the mosques finally opened in July, you could see around the UK how people, especially whether His Holiness is based, people started to flourish. Well, I'm saying flourish, wanted to come, but they had to almost wait. And um, I want to link that into Jalsa now. Last year uh, was the first time for me personally, I saw Hazur after 18 months. And it was for me an incredible emotional um, state. It's like seeing your parent or your pet after 18 months physically, even though we couldn't touch, we saw him distantly and I was able to pray behind him. But it was such an emotional roller coaster for me because I missed that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could be more thankful to uh, God Almighty that he gave me that opportunity to see him physically after so long. Yeah, it just gives us a little glimpse into the emotions of our brothers and sisters outside the UK who... You know, see uh, beloved Imam, uh, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, on, on TV, and we kind of almost took it for granted that we could just go to the to the mosque and and pray behind uh, His Holiness. We could uh, request mulakats, which is personal meetings with His Holiness, and then all of that suddenly stopped. And now, as you said, Ahmed, uh, some of us were quite fortunate last year to attend the annual convention, the Jalsa Salana here in Alton, where there was a, a limited attendance because of the social distancing. I think around about five, 6,000 people attended. Um, and for many of us, it was the first time where we were actually physically seeing His Holiness and uh, physically being given the blessed opportunity to pray behind him and to listen to his uh, sermons and speeches. Absolutely. I think also it's uh, it's been a time of reflection for certainly the members of the UK community um, that 
we're now more grateful than ever that we have this opportunity. And certainly, shortly after this show, we're going to obviously be offering prayers behind His Holiness for the Friday after the Friday sermon. That how fortunate and blessed we are that we're able to offer our prayers behind, um, you know, the Imam of the time. And uh, it's it's very very humbling. And when you reflect upon these things, it makes you more grateful. And when you're more grateful, it certainly makes you more humble. And it just helps you as an individual um, to improve your status on serving others, helping others, and being grateful for the things that we have. Yeah, I mean, this Jalsa is, again, you know, uh, I would say, you know, this the last year's Jalsa uh, was... Uh, there were a lot of restrictions, right? And many people could not attend because they're, you know, of the age group they were in or their vaccine status. Also, there were limited attendance on every day, but this still, sir, thankfully, all of the UK community, I mean, the Muslim community is able to attend. And after a long time, we will be here in full force, like behind our imam. And that will be a sight to behold and, uh, uh, and emotion to experience that you know, I'm, I'm eagerly waiting for myself. Uh, Ajil Salana is kind of the backbone or like you know it is what brings the community together and it's been happening for over 100 years now and one could not imagine it not happening but you know uh, if you look into the history of Jalsa Salana during pandemics or uh, other crises Jalsa Salanas have been postponed or cancelled as well in the past even during the lifetime of the promised Messiah the founder of the community when Jilsa Sanana was cancelled, uh, and it has happened as well, so it's not unknown. But 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 it, we are not used to that. You know, we 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 like uh, this community feeling that we get. We like to stand behind our Imam in prayer. Uh, we like to pledge our, or re- renew our uh, allegiance to the cause uh, every year. It's it's almost uh, kind of in in our minds. It's it's like a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, automated system that needs to be re- refreshed every year. If it doesn't get refreshed, mm. uh, we feel that uh, something is missing. And I've certainly missed that. I'm sure, all, you know, all the MDs around the country and around the world have missed that. And this year is going to be a very special one after a long time. Yeah, it's almost like a recharging effect, isn't it? Mm. So you, you, you come to these three days at Jalsa Salana, you pray behind your... Uh, the holiness as a helper. You listen to the the sermons. You listen to the discourses. You um, build up your spiritual uh, level because that's the purpose of Jalsa Salana, isn't it? Ultimately, is to raise your spiritual level to become close to God Almighty. Yeah. And what what more beautiful way of doing that? Than to be with his holiness. Yeah, I mean, I, I recently came across. Uh, well, I was re- refreshing my memory on what Hazur had said last year, and uh, soon you will hopefully be seeing that clip on one of our social media platforms at Jilsa UK. If you you are on social media, uh, that Hazur said that you know there's a there's a life water. You know, we come here to quench our thirst. You know, this is the water of our spiritual life that we come together. Uh, and that's all true that, you know, we felt that was missing, that life water. But Azur also says that it's not that you come here and drink that water once, you have to take it home. And that's what connects us to the Khalifa is that, you know, there's a whole year's worth of supply of spiritual rejuvenation that we take with us and for our families. 
uh, and you know those who are driving in today you know remember that this is you know you come with your buckets empty and take the home them home full you know there's no hose pipe ban when it comes to spiritual water so i hope you know <laughs> we all take equal benefit from 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 this occasion but the jalsa is also something very unique in the sense that even though this year um previously before covid certainly um people from all over the world you know in their thousands literally attended as international guests but uh, this year is very much specific to the uk because we're still following strict covid uh, protocols uh, which we see see as a blessing uh, and these instructions and guidance is given like we've spoken about by his holiness but despite that because of the uh, technology uh, voice of islam radio being one mta international certainly uh, the social media handles that we have uh, jalsa uk for example and so forth another and many others we find that um, this jalsa is still a global jalsa because this is where his holiness is so so many thousands hundreds of thousands of amadis around the world are watching um for example will be watching certainly the friday sermon listening to the addresses by his holiness um the other speeches that will be delivered from tomorrow onwards by um, eminent scholars of the community um the proceedings in general so it becomes an opportunity for everybody to be uh, spiritually blessed well um you know usually what happens is every year we have the initiation ceremony the bath uh and uh, huzur uh, you know usually conducts a bath or or accepts a bath of the newly converted and these who have converted or joined the movement every year uh, but also gives us the opportunity to renew our pledge mm. uh, and we'll wait to see if this bath is going to happen this year it's on the program so we are hoping it will happen yeah and that was that's going to be the first time in 3 years that uh, physically if it does happen uh, obviously waiting for uh confirmation of that but uh, with first time in 3 years that we will have that opportunity once again to uh uh, uh participate in yeah. this most spiritually august um feeling and uh august occasion um let's we've only got a few minutes left here but uh, so I'll, I will go around the table and ask for your final thoughts on this but what is this jalsa salana in particular mean to each of you um after such a, an absence of of a couple of years coming here uh many with their families and young ones as well um you know many people have been born over the course of 3 years and never come to a jalsa they many people that we've lost over the last couple of years who haven't uh, won't have the the uh obviously the ability to to attend for one of the purposes which I'll say is to pray for those who who deceased uh, over the last year but uh, look may I start with you and just ask you what your feeling is about attending this particular jalsa salana the 56th annual convention of the Indian Muslim community here in the United Kingdom yes so i um, the you know for for some reason this jalsa seems to be to to refresh in my mind the real purpose of jalsa which is to uh, build these bonds of brotherhood between the uh, members of the community but also to seek the company of the righteous uh, and you know we've discussed in how the lockdown had confined us to our homes and very limited attendance at the at the mosque um, which 
you know, did have an effect. I mean, we're saying all the, you know, all the positive, taking all the positives that, you know, we, we, we're still, you know, were uh, functioning as a very highly effective religious community. But on an individual level, we were really missing the company of the righteous, the company of uh, the, the presence of His Holiness, um, and also this bond of brotherhood that is fostered at these occasions. Uh, so this jalsa means that, you know, I'll be able to not cherish uh, my brothers in faith and, uh, you know, our mission to spread peace uh, around the world even more. Thank you, Lutf. I forgot to turn to you, Atik. I think Lutf, uh, I echo his points, but I think what he just said was about, um, I'm just thinking because you said we lost so many members and, and it is an emotional time as well because I remember them because they were my friends and colleagues because the community is, is about brotherhood and sisterhood. So everybody knows everyone else. Um, but uh, cherishing your brothers, I think, uh, is, 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 I, I think that's what I would say. I, I'm grateful that God has given me enough life to be able to see another Jalsa and hopefully to pray behind His Holiness. And I think for that, for me, that's, that's life. Mm, thank you, Tik. Ahmed? I guess, um, just to add on both their points, uh, um, for me personally this year, it's been about spirituality. So staying at the Jalsaga and praying behind Hazur has been key objective for me from early on. So I got here on Wednesday to make sure I pray Fajr behind Hazur and Mubarak Mosque yesterday at the Jalsaga. So for me, this has been a very, you know, it's been a spiritual uplift for me. And it's just renewing your bond with God and getting closer to God. And not only that, being um, close to very spiritual people kind of soaks you in it. And there's a, a mm. saying from the Holy Prophet, you know, if, I guess, uh, I believe it was a hadith, whereby he mentions, you know, the people around you, the company is how you're going to, you know, have, make sure you have good company around yes. you. And being at Jalta is probably one of the best companies you can get, in my personal view. What about you? <laughs> yeah. No, I think I, I agree with all your uh, sentiments and share all those feelings. I think it is ultimately uh, counting our blessings because Jalsa Salana is a great blessing for the United Kingdom in particular because we have His Holiness here. Mm. And then not being able to attend Jalsa in the last couple of years, you feel that actually this is one of the most beautiful gifts that God has given us. And so that we should make the most of it every second of of being a Jalsa is a blessing. So with that, thank you, gentlemen, for your company. As always, uh, request our listeners to please remember the volunteers, Jalsa Salana, in your prayers. And please pray that the Jalsa uh, goes smoothly. And of course, please remember His Holiness, Sajid Mirza Ahmed, may Allah be his helper in your prayers. With that, thank you and good afternoon.